The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Hey, it's 3.38 on uh, this Monday edition of the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News. Mondays at 3.30s mean one thing. It's time for another edition of The Hoot. Hoot. Uh, Todd Hirsch, uh, have we decided what Todd's title is, Todd? Senior uh, economist. Senior economist? Chief economist. Chief economist. Well, just make one up. It really doesn't matter. Which one do you point. like better? <laughs> well, it is uh, Vice President and of Economics and Chief Economist. That okay. is the technical term. How chief. about this? How about Economist, no, Todd Hirsch? Because there's lots of economists. Yeah. I mean, Chief is like you're up there. <laughs> I'm financial. not really too fussed about the title. All right. but the best chief economist, economist in the in the land. Hey, there that. we go. That I like that title. That's a good one. I got to tell you, uh, I got to tell you, Todd, that any time one of your suggestions for a topic starts with a quote from Winston Churchill, you know it's going to be a pretty good one. So <laughs> you, you want to talk about buildings? Buildings and especially architecture, and it might vary into especially talking about public buildings. Uh-huh. And the quote, the Churchill quote that you referenced, uh, there's there's a great great quote that says, "We shape our buildings; thereafter, they shape us." Uh-huh. In other words, you can design a ugly, crappy, utilitarian-looking building, but that building is going to shape you and its inhabitants for decades. And you might as well do it right. And here we're talking about what what are the economics of really interesting, kind of cool-looking public buildings. A lot of times when, you know, there's these public buildings that go up, and I know Edmonton has just had a burst in in new buildings Mm -hmm. in Ice District and the new uh, Royal Ontario Alberta Museum and the Art Gallery of Alberta, all those great buildings. Every now and then you hear people say, well, does it need to be so fancy? Can't you just do it cheap? To which I say, well, you can do it cheap, but it's not going to be a building that you're going to want to have anything to do with or that your city will be able to use to market itself to companies looking at perhaps moving to Edmonton. And that's where it really becomes an economic issue. Are we designing our cities and the buildings in our cities in the best possible way to be as attractive as possible. So this would be, of course, two types of uh, uh, financing for these buildings. There would be those buildings that you just referenced that uh, are paid for by tax dollar. And then there, I guess there would be those regulations or those approvals that government gives to new building concepts, uh, even if they're not footing the bill, that they must meet a certain criteria. That's right. And and privately funded buildings, you know, a, a developer, a commercial real estate developer, often they will put some design aspect into it. No one really wants their name attached to a truly ugly building. But I think it's public buildings, things like libraries and museums and art galleries and uh, university uh, buildings on university campuses and some of those kinds of buildings. This is really where you have a chance to say, well, budgets budgets absolutely matter. But can we design and um, present our city's public spaces in a way that is going to be really, really interesting and not just do it for the least amount of money? It's also, and, and I know it's controversial. Yeah, it's also interesting, though, too. You know, you look at downtown and, and so many of the new buildings going in there and how they jive or mesh or do they jive and mesh with, you know, the, the existing ones that are down there and, and what the future means. I mean, if we're going to be moving towards this constant more interesting buildings, what does that mean for the, you know, the, the cell block, cinder block apartment building on, on the corner? How, how has that got to change? 
Yeah, and integration into the neighborhood and into mm. the community. And I talk about this as an economist, not as an urban planner or an architect. So I have limited understanding in, in, in how it works, but I do understand that you have to get it right. It has to integrate into its environment. You have to take existing buildings, uh, the space that it's going to be used for, the traffic that's going to be both pedestrian and uh, auto traffic. All of those things have to be taken into consideration when you design uh, an, an interesting building. It's not just a matter of, you know, if you took the Sydney Opera House, for example, an interesting, cool-looking building, but aesthetically or um, around it, it does not integrate into the community at all. It's not a great community space. An interesting-looking building, but it's often held up as an example of cool building, very poor execution in terms of integrating with its surrounding. Well, that's interesting, because I thought you were going to go a different direction with the Opera House, because I would have said, well, that's an iconic building, though. People think of Sydney, they think of the Opera House. Yeah, it is an iconic building, and I I guess it gets full points for that. But where I don't know if you've ever been there. I had the chance to be there about 10 years ago. Um, You arrive at it, and almost nothing about it, unless maybe they've made some alterations to the to the exterior of it since, but you arrive at it, and unless you were actually going into the building to listen to an opera or, or a performance, there's not much about this, the space that's that welcoming. Hmm. Um, and I think it's viewed as a bit of a failure, especially right on the harbor, right on the waterfront. Hmm. You would like it to be an area where um, the public would maybe gather around it and, and want to be around it, even if they're not going to the opera. Yeah, hmm. interesting, that is interesting. Well, Todd, let me ask you this, because you're an economist, so you deal in uh, numbers. Uh, So how do you quantify the benefit of interesting buildings? Uh, You know, if they're going to cost millions more of tax dollar, you say that it will attract more people to the city, it will put this, it help with tourism or industry, but how can you possibly quantify that? Well, it is difficult. There, I don't think there's a real practical way to quantify it, at least not the way we would typically quantify, like a return on investment on other things that you can really, really measure. But here's an example. When Amazon, and I'm sure Edmonton is the very same way. I know the Calgary experience um, a little more closely. But when Amazon was considering the bids from Edmonton and Calgary, one of the things they, con- they considered all kinds of things, tax rates and office space and blah, blah, blah. But they also looked at the cities and said, is that the kindest city I can attract the hippest and coolest and and most educated tech workforce that can live anywhere in the world. Will they come to this city? And both Calgary and Edmonton, I guess they decided on balance, no, for a lot of other reasons. But I think uh, the aesthetics of, you know, when Amazon would consider those cities, they would look at the things like, what kind of city is it? visually does it have that interesting architecture or is it just a bunch of you know sort of slapped together done at cost low cost utilitarian office buildings you know those things matter to companies like amazon and amazon is maybe the obvious example but there's you know a hundred thousand other tech companies around the world that might consider edmonton does edmonton are are sort of the calling card for the world is what does the city, how does the city present itself visually? So therein lies the problem for politicians then, right? Because they would understand the need for a cool city with attractive, expensive buildings to promote industry and tourism, but they have to sell it to their constituents that it's worth the money without being able to quantify it. 
That's right. Yeah. And by the way, it's easy to overdo it on this too. You can go far too far. More is not always better uh-huh. with spending on public spaces. Valencia, Spain is a great example of how to bankrupt a city <laughs> building really cool public spaces that were really just a monument to the architect's ego, but way overboard, like way, way overboard. If, if listeners are interested, they should just Google Valencia World of Science and Art. It's a fantastic, futuristic-looking whole area on this developed waterfront, but it's way too much, and it bankrupt the city. I, I think in Edmonton, we're just happy when uh, the city builds something that works. Like if you get the funicular working, I actually want to go <laughs> or the LRT or <laughs> yeah, just uh, I, I think that's what people focus on, right? They focus on yeah uh, the expense uh, and at the cost of the inconvenience of the construction, and then it's not quite what it was promised to be, and that's why people are reluctant to for sure you know yeah. want to spend the money, but for sure. And and I'm not one that says just blow the budget and, and build as extravagantly. That's not what I'm arguing. I'm just I'm just saying yeah. that. The aesthetics of public architecture matter, and it's important to get the, the the balance between you know the budget on these things right. You have to pay attention to that, but we can't just ignore it and, and put up the you know the ugliest cinder block walled building that <laughs> that's possible. Hmm. Uh, we get mad when journalists from other countries come to our. Um to our city and then go back and write articles about the cinder block buildings that are in the city over and over and over again. Well, it's like sometimes when you're driving in certain parts of the city, that's all it is. I know. And actually, it's a valid point, uh, Todd, as well, that the architecture has to be functional. You mentioned the uh, Sydney Opera House. Uh, I'm thinking about uh, Toronto City Hall. It also has to stand the test of time. Um, yeah. You know, because I, when that was first built, and that's how old I am, and everyone said it was the most remarkable building ever, and then, <laughs> what, 20 years later, it pretty much just gets compared to a urinal. <laughs> yeah, it does have to stand the test of time. And usually what happens, and again, I'm not an architect, but usually what happens is styles of building will go out of style mm-hmm. and they'll be ugly. But then, eventually, they'll, if they stand around long enough, they'll come back into vogue a little bit. Yeah. The brutalist architecture of the late 60s, early 70s is a type, it's a great example of that about 10 or 20 years ago was derided as horrible and ugly and <laughs> yeah. brutalist. And, but now it's kind of coming back and it has kind of its own whole cool vibe to it because yeah, it's that's true. that old. There's you know? a, and I'm not an architect either, but there, there's those houses that were built in California that were basically put up as no, I don't want to say temporary housing, but they were, I think, A-frames or something. They, they just put mm-hmm. them up really quickly to get a lot of housing down. And now they're considered a real find if you hmm. can get an original that's been not renovated, right? It's it's interesting. You're right on that point. Todd, always a pleasure to talk to you. Where, where are you off to now? Uh, after this well i'm i'm in calgary today tomorrow morning i go i'm speaking in canmore and then i keep at breakfast and i keep going i'm speaking in lake louise at lunch well i know there's far worse places to be in the world although i guess the the u.s media thinks jasper is the most boring place in the world did you see that yeah that that's they said when they were talking about the royals being there or Mm. not being there that they called jasper the most boring place in the world they obviously have not been there well either that or don't you kind of want on a honeymoon don't wouldn't you rather be kind of, you know, bored in a beautiful <laughs> yeah. setting? Like, I'm not calling Jasper boring. If you want excitement, that's not really a honeymoon, is it? I'd well, rather no. go somewhere that's impossible.
noticeably beautiful like Jasper. Even if, you know, there's not that many Broadway shows or mm. you know, what, what a New Yorker might think is exciting things to do. I think it's a great place. They for must not like fudge either. Because, yeah. hey, <laughs> it's all in Banff. Um, Banff and Jasper. It's interesting, though, because TMZ reporting that they're there. Um, the uh, JPL, the Fairmont people saying, no, they're not there. But we've just had texts coming in from someone who knows someone who works there that says they very much are there. Wow. So the mystery continues. Well, not that I'm I'm invited to uh, join them on their honeymoon, but the Jasper Park Lodge, is it's got to be one of my favorite spots in the province of Alberta, and there are many favorite spots for me, but Jasper Park Lodge and Jasper Town and, and the mm-hmm. National Park, that is an amazing place. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love it probably more than, you know, even Banff. When you get oh, to I Jasper, do. you know you've really left the city. Yeah. Oh, that's I'm, true. A, I'm, I'm a Jasper girl, not a Banff girl. I'd rather go I'm to Jasper than Banff. Boy, and you like Banff. I, yeah. I do. I prefer Banff for the nightlife. But And Jasper Park Lodge, <laughs> which is uh, another iconic. Beautifully expensive. Beautifully expensive and very difficult to find your room. They uh, <laughs> It is difficult. And you might get mauled by an elf. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They that literally draw a map to your room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, right on, Todd. Dad. All right. Well, thanks for this. We'll do it again, uh, I suppose, in two weeks. We'll have Rob Roach next in week. In two weeks. Yeah. Rob will be back with you next Monday. Awesome, Todd. Thanks for this. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. You too. too. Oh, I'm totally drawn and divided. On what? Do a dumb story or do a dumb story? <laughs> do a dumb story. All right. Uh, how about this? Uh, a three-year-old in Winnipeg. Oh, the a, story. Yeah, a student at uh, Little Years Nursery School was sent home for dressing inappropriately her parents were told that her sundress which by the way goes down to her ankles is considered inappropriate by the nursing school because the straps on the sundress are oh, too thin. are too thin they, they should be a two minimum of two inches wide each but with the size of this child and her age that would basically be wearing a t-shirt so the parents say they'll conform to what the school wants but when challenged as to why they have a dress yeah. code at a little year's nursery school, they said it's because they're the, attached, to, they're a attached school. to a school and the school has a dress code for older kids, but the school has since denied that, no. saying, no, they're just tenants, so they don't... Yeah, they, they don't follow our yeah, rules they have nothing whatsoever. To do with our rules. This is just... This is just silly. It is a typical little sundress yeah. that you see on any little girl yeah. at three, four, five years of age in the city right now. Mm-hmm. Send her home. She doesn't understand what's going on there. Oh, it's her favorite uh, little... It's her favorite dress. Yeah. And uh, do you remember, uh, if you don't remember as a child, you must remember as a parent when your kids got to that age where they wanted to pick their own clothes. Yes. And, and they only pick from clothes that you've bought them. So everything's appropriate. I mean, it's not like they went out shopping at three years mm-hmm. old and got something mm-hmm. slinky to wear to the nursery school, right? Hey, so, Mom, look at this. It, it, you know, and I don't know if it's political correctness gone too far or if it's just an individual who doubled down on a dumb statement. But who would ever look at a three-year-old child and say what they're wearing is inappropriate? I mean, what? It's a sundress. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what constitutes honestly inappropriate in a three-year-old's? You know, it just doesn't She's make any three sense years to me. old. When I was three years old, my parents let me run naked on the front lawn or just well, with a pair of shorts on. Do you know I was going to say that, and then I thought, well, we'll get people all fired up, and somebody will tell me I'm wrong. But since you said it, our kids used to run in the sprinkler mm-hmm. naked in the backyard, Absolutely. right? And our neighbors were an elderly couple from England. And they would come out. We were quite uh, over-the-fence uh, friends. And they would come out and say, oh, 
so wonderful. Mm -hmm. Brought back such great memories. They're just little kids. They don't, you know just what I mean? Just out there playing and having yeah. fun. And I know people now would be, well, you got to be careful. And what do you, you're, you know, laying bait for child predators or whatever. It's in our backyard. It was 30 degrees and they were hot the sprinkler on. and they wanted yeah. to have some fun. Exactly. Remember yeah. how much fun we actually did have with sprinklers? Yeah. You know, the and those slip and slide things, if we ever had that. Yeah. I know. I, we would when it rained. My parents would let us go out and dance in the rain. Yeah, that's true too. Just on the front lawn, and same thing. We had an old couple that lived across the street, Charlie and Dave, and Charlie and Dave just loved us. They would babysit us, and Charlie's voice was like, because Charlie, she smoked. I don't know two packs of smokes a day. She was just the 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 coolest old lady I've ever met. And Marge Dave Simpson's was as kind. Marge, sisters, that's yeah. it. And but yeah, it's raining out. Go if you want to go run and play in the front yard, dance in the rain. Then go dance in the rain. When did we stop? I having know. fun and, and just letting kids be kids exactly and even adults just be kid like we rob everybody of their innocence far too early and and this the funny thing is about this little this story about the little years nursery school is and this is what i liked about it is the dad's not taking that typical view that i also roll my eyes out uh. that well she's scarred for life no. or she, she he's not doing any of that he's not saying oh she was upset we had to explain to her and she cried herself to say he's not doing any of that he's just saying boy that was dumb <laughs> which i agree with you sir that is dumb but the person who made the rule like i say tried to double down and say well it's not our rule it's somebody else's rule, rule and they were wrong so the, a bad decision followed by a lie rarely works out and that's what happened here. But somebody just made a bad decision, right? Doesn't it just sometimes make you feel like doing this? <laughs> just makes you want to scream. <laughs> the 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.